0: Hey church, let's get ready for the Word. I hope you're ready uh, to engage with God. Uh, God's Word is life. And I believe that as you hear God's Word today, that life is going to enter into you uh, and you're going to manifest Christ in every area of your life. It's going to be a good Word today and I hope you're ready for it. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror as soon as you woke up in the morning? Most of us have. Uh, Some of us who are very unique specimens look at ourselves in the mirror and we're perfect in the morning. But most of us, when we look at ourselves in the mirror first thing in the morning, we don't like what we see. Uh, Whether it's the hair, uh, whether it's your size, whether you've put on weight, whether you look at your skin and you're like, you know, Age is kind of catching up, whether you've lost a bit of hair, whatever it is. If you don't like what you see, then the more you see it, the more you tend to get disappointed by what you see. The more you look at the things that you seem to consider as flaws, these flaws seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger, the more you keep looking at them every single day. And the more you look at these things, the more they become a reality in your life and they tend to become the language, so to say, of your heart. When you look at yourself in the mirror first thing in the morning, and if you see the flaws in you, it's only because your heart has defined it as a flaw. I know what I've just said is already bringing healing to some people. Uh, Because, you know, we, we, hey, everybody, you know, we, we, we look at ourselves and we see all the imperfections more than the perfections in our lives. How you see determines what you see. And what you see determines the world that you will live in. And the world that you live in really has a profound impact on what you experience. But it all begins with how you see. How you see yourself every single day in the mirror determines actually what you see. You see, whether you see yourself growing old or you're getting thinner or bigger or whatever, however you want to define it, whether it's good or bad, really it starts at the heart. Because the world that you live in today is a reflection of what your heart has defined your world to be. What you you see has been defined by your heart. And that becomes the world that really you manifest. And when you fix the heart, when the heart changes its definition of what it sees, really it changes the world that we live in. We want to fix racism, but we don't want to fix our hearts. We want to fix weight loss, but we don't want to fix our hearts. We want to fix anorexia, but we don't want to fix our hearts. Because our heart is really determined and said, that is bad or this is good. What if we allow our, our, our hearts to be filled with the progressive knowledge of God's Word, then the world we live in is really defined by the the heart that is filled with the Word of God. It's God's perspective that begins to fill our hearts. When God's perspective fills our hearts, we begin to see the world according to the way God sees it. We, when we begin to see the world according to the way God sees it, we will experience the world according to the way God wants us to experience this world. See, you must understand that the world that we have, the, the life, now, I'm not talking about the world that as in like, hey, the world, you know, around us, the globe, you know, the economies, no, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the world that you live in personally the environment that you carry around you, the certain types of clothes that you think is cool or that is not cool or, you know, that kind of stuff, the perspective that you have of life, the foods that you only you think you should eat or you shouldn't eat or, oh, I like that thing, it's cool, that music's cool, that's not cool. You know, that stuff, this person is good, that person is not good, that church is good, this church, no, no, I'm talking about that world. Because when people come close to you, they experience the world that you're from. It's the atmosphere. But that world, ladies and gentlemen, is what Jesus died for. See, God so loved the world. He loved your world so much that he paid a price to change the perspective of the world that you will experience. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever in that world believes in his son will experience a world that God experiences in heaven. See, there's a God experiences an atmosphere in heaven. There's a world in heaven. There's a realm in heaven that there's a realm called God in heaven that that he wants you and I to experience here on the earth. But you will not experience the realm of heaven on earth if your perspective in your heart constantly judges everything in your life according to the knowledge of good and evil. But if you only understand that God's perspective for you is that you would live in prosperity in the world, in your world. You would experience the prosperity of heaven, the blessing of heaven that He experiences. Now it would completely changed your perspective to really look at your life the way God would look at your life. The way you see yourself in the mirror is the way God looks at you in the mirror. Who do you see in the mirror? Because if you're not seeing Christ in the mirror, then whose image are you being transformed into? See, God paid a price so that He could completely change the lens of who you see. Because when He changes the lens, that that changes the worldview that you have. The The worldview not only of other people, but your life. See, God so loved your world He cares for your world. He cares for your view. How do you see yourself? How do you see your life? How do you see your mom and dad? How do you see your brothers and sisters? How do you see your church? How do you see your workplace? He died for what you see. He died to change what you see so that you could really change what you experience in your heart. You could receive a word from God that completely changes how you speak about what you see. See, most times we judge ourselves before anybody else judges us. We wake up in the morning and we look at our face and we're like, Oh, whoa, hold on a minute. What, what passed the mirror right now? <laughs> was that me or was that somebody else? Hold on, where did I... Oh my God, I put on weight. Oh, you know, shucks, man, I shouldn't have had that cake last night. And I shouldn't have had that ice cream. And I had it late night, last night, and I went to sleep and now look at it. Oh my God, Is the, 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 the ice cream is now stuck over here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we condemn ourselves. We condemn the very body that God loves. See, you must understand that God loves the world that you live in. And you judge the world that God paid a price for you judge the life that you have that God paid a price for yeah it's not perfect but it's being perfected so the title of my message today is perfect love perfect love I want you to open your Bible to um, Job chapter 1 and we'll look at Job's life Um, And we'll really get into this awesome place of understanding God's perfect love. Job chapter one, and we'll read from verse one onwards. There was a man in the land of Uz. Uz's name was Job. And that man was blameless, which means nobody could pick out a flaw in Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. He feared God. I'm going to define fear, the fear of God in a, in a really beautiful way today uh, that it will really set us free, right? And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep. That's a lot of sheep. 3,000 camels. Wow. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys and a very large household. Amen. It's a prophetic word. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Wow. That's amazing. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Okay. So we see that in this chapter that that they begin Job's story with a with a description of Job's life. The description of how amazing this man was. Now you must understand that the state of your heart determines the world that you will live in. The world that you live in can either be prosperous or destructive and is determined by the state of your heart. So the state of your heart determines whether you will experience prosperity or destruction. And if you understand that your 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 view of yourself, uh, let's let's just say you looked at yourself in the mirror and you did not like what you looked at, the state of your heart defined that it was not good. Now what you defined was not good, actually becomes the world that you will experience. It's destructive. So that means whatever you're looking at gets worse day by day because that's the only thing you're looking at, and your heart keeps defiling yourself. And the more you defile your your heart is defiled by what you see, the more your body begins to manifest the very same thing. So you can either look at yourself in a productive manner, or you can look at yourself in a destructive manner. And we see here that Job is experiencing prosperity he is experiencing my goodness seven sons three daughters seven thousand sheep i mean is he's he's the greatest he's known as the greatest in the east that is that is something some sort of description that is awesome the bible says that he was blameless and upright and he feared god now the 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 book of Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, every time... I understood fear previously, when I, understood, when I when I heard the word fear, I always thought uh, fear was, had something to do with being afraid or something's gonna happen to me, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and we know, more or less know what fear is. I don't have to define it and I don't have to celebrate it, but I want to define uh, fear according to the Hebrew language. And, and here we see in it that, that the writer of, of Proverbs, King Solomon is saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and we see job feared god and was experiencing prosperity in his life you must understand job's heart was had the fear of the lord in it which is why he was experiencing prosperity so when, we, when I started studying the word fear, I understood that there are two in, in, the, in Hebrew, there are two words for fear. One is the word yare or yara. Okay, and what it means really is the gut feeling. You know we, we have that gut feeling you know when 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 you're about to speak or you know public speaking or you're about to do something massive or give a presentation or you know go out on a date for some of you uh, you might have that that you know that oh that feeling gut feeling butterflies in the stomach you know so for some it's butterflies for some is rats for some whatever whatever you want whatever you want a mice whatever you want to whatever you want to call it that gut feeling is really the, the way the word Yara is defined. And, and this word Yara, uh, the root word of the, uh, the word Yara uh, actually means the flowings from the gut. Now, what, I, what, what this means is the flowings of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A lot of times people say, oh the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and so, or the fear of the Lord. So people now think that I need to be afraid of God in order for me to be wise. Uh, How many of you know that that's actually foolishness? Because God doesn't want you to interact with Him based on fear but actually love. And so now we see that the word yara, this gut feeling, actually when it's defined with the root word, it means that it's a, it's a flowing, a, a something that is flowing from the gut. Now, when you look at the Hebrew language, um, you look at this word um, uh, Yara and it actually in, in, in the feminine noun is actually, in the feminine gender is actually, it means that the flowings of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not, the, it's not the reverence that, God, that the Lord has for God. It's actually the, the flowing. What flows from the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. So when we look at Psalms 1, it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, not stands in the way of sinners, right? It, but it goes on to talk about, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now that word law or the word Torah over there is the same, the root word is the same word as the word Yara. And what it means is that this person delights in what flows from the Lord. And this flowing really is the beginning of wisdom. So what flows from the Lord? It's the, it's the Torah or the, or it's the law or it's the word of God. So the word of God is a revelation of God's Uh, Nature, his character and his abilities That's the word of the Lord And so when God begins to reveal It does not come just by spoken word form It's actually something that gushes out from the Lord And when it gushes out from the Lord That is the beginning of wisdom Now wisdom is actually the ability to apply knowledge 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 basically is knowing. I know you, I have knowledge about you. I've read the Bible, I have knowledge of the Bible, but I may not have wisdom. When does wisdom come into play? Is wisdom comes into play when I know the right time to apply the knowledge. So when you combine these two sentences, it's the the flowings of the Lord, right? That is the key to prosperity. The flowings of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means when you, when God reveals himself through his word, he gives you the ability, the choice to apply his word in your life. The way you have, you experience prosperity in your life is by changing the heart. So the word comes into the heart and the heart begins to define the world that you will live in. And now if the, if, the, if the word that you have in your heart is not God's word, then everything else begins to give you momentary glory, but that begins to fade away. But then when you have the word of God, it flows like a river from you right? The fear of the Lord begins to flow like a river out of you. And now you can apply the word in whichever area you want to apply the word in. And every area that you apply the word in, because of wisdom, now that area begins to prosper according to heaven on earth. So you must understand the word of God is a life-giving source. Now, if you in your heart, if your heart is not defined by the word of God, people can take the word and now can destroy people around them. We see we see that happening with the with the crusades of old. They took the Bible and they began they according to the Bible and they begin to destroy people's lives. They destroy people's kingdoms. The Bible says, hey, the, the, the word is a is a two-edged sword. It divides the soul and the spirit. My God, you can take the word and you can destroy someone's life. Or you can take the word of God and you have the spirit of the living God on the inside of you and that spirit word, he begins to give you the wisdom where to apply the word and how to apply the word. See the the word of God is a key. You must understand, you must see it like that. The word of God is a key and that key has been given to you now and now the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom when to and where to put the key in and how to turn it so that you can receive prosperity in your life. A lot of Christians, many many Christians around the world are struggling to experience prosperity in their lives, not just money, prosperity in their lives only because they lack wisdom. They lack wisdom when to apply the word. And they don't understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means the fear when the Lord begins to reveal his word, it begins to get on the inside of you. And now you don't have to be afraid of God anymore because God on the inside of you is like a mighty river. And he's just waiting to burst forth. He's just waiting to burst forth. It just means that you need to know when to apply the word the timing to apply the word and the pers- God's perspective to apply the word. See a lot of times people have a lot of knowledge but they lack God's perspective as to when to apply the word. They lack God's perspective. You can take the word and apply it out of time and not see the results that you're expecting. But you can take the word of God and allow it to stay in your heart and the holy spirit now on the inside of you will begin to lead you to apply the word in this area in that area now do this now do that now he begins to lead you every single day and as he leads you you grow the you as you grow in wisdom you, the river begins to grow mighty in your life so as you learn to apply the word in every in an area of your life that river begins to flow it begins to flow out of you as it begins to flow out of you it begins to give life to the very area that you applied the word in and when you apply and when it gives life now that becomes the world that you experience so if i i mean the easiest example would be to to talk about finances. When you talk about giving in the kingdom of God, giving to the kingdom of God or giving to people, you should be led by the spirit to give. But your heart needs to be open. You look at the money that you have and you hold on to that money and you need to say, Lord, as you lead me, I will apply this word. Now, when the Lord leads you to release those finances, now, the minute you release those finances, that wherever you lead those finances, it becomes a blessing to you. It becomes the world that you experience. The same thing with your children. I mean, you look at your children, you can either say bad things to your children or speak the word of God to your children, not quote scripture, but actually teach your children when to apply the word of God and what circumstance to apply the word of God so that now you could experience heaven on earth in as a family. It's very important that we understand this principle because we need God's desire for you and me is to experience prosperity in our lives, not destruction. He wants you to experience the the blessing, the blessedness that He is in your life. But we look at, Job, and Job was experiencing these blessings. He was, man. I mean, the guy had seven sons, three daughters, 10 kids. I mean, 7,000 sheep. I mean, the works. He was the richest in the East, only because he feared God. He feared God. He, he constantly responded to God. He responded to areas in his life based on his relationship with God. He knew God and based on that relationship, he began to live. He began to apply the word and now every area, listen to me very carefully, every area that he applied the word in, he saw multiplication happening. He saw prosperity happening. So now, let's go to verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Okay, now Satan means adversary. Okay, and the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Wow, that's a lot of... Walking, And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? This is your God. He is so confident in you when you have his word that he can show you off to an adversary and he trusts that you will respond to him according to how you've always been responding to him. But I also want to present something to you. That he also listens to your enemies praying. God doesn't only listen to Christians. And those Christians who, who are your enemies, those people who consider you as an enemy, when they pray, God hears them. And, and he points to them and he says, Hey, have you seen Joe? Joe? Have you considered Job? The guy has gone all across the earth and could not find anyone to destroy him, And God is saying, have you seen my servant Job? What? See, when, when you have the word of God on the inside of you, you have no room for any other fear. You have, your that that river begins to flow so much out of you that every area of your life is so blessed that even the the devil has no problem with you. He can't pick a fight with you. Satan, your adversaries have no issue with you. It's a prophetic word right now. Your adversaries have nothing to say against you. So now God wants to bless you. He wants to increase the blessings over your life. So he says, hey, have you considered John? Have you have you seen John and Kelsey Amen. have you seen life church global and so this is what he says to God so Satan answered the Lord and said does job fear God for nothing hello you see that you see how he's twisting it does Job fear God for nothing? Which means Job, he's figured out Job's issue. Somehow, when the prosperity became the identity, that's when the fear of God began to change. Does Job fear God for nothing? Which means he has something from God and to have that something, he continues to fear God. There's a, is a, difference, there's a difference. But your adversary has picked it up. He's picked up the very flaw because when he comes around you, he knows exactly the world that you are manifesting. So does Job fear God for nothing have you not made a hedge around him around his household around all that he has on every side wow you have blessed listen ladies and gentlemen the blood of Jesus did not exist at this time so you can't say the blood of Jesus was the hedge around Job hello but he's saying around his house and around all that he has on every side you have blessed the work of of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land now please understand this job when you have the when you allow the word of god into your heart and it begins to flow like a river into every area of your life your adversaries don't see your work your adversaries see god at work The reason why Satan couldn't attack him is because he's seen God's work in his life. Come on, that is powerful. When people look at you, do they see you or do they see God at work in your life? If the river is flowing in your life, then they will see God in your life. See, I'm reminded of of this, this instance when Jesus met this woman at the well. And and the discussion is, you give me the water to drink and who are you and all that kind of stuff. You can read it in John chapter four, but I wanna bring your attention to this moment when Jesus says, if I give you water to drink, you will never thirst again. And that water that you drink will become in you a river that gushes out of you. I'm paraphrasing it, this is the John version of it, but he says it will gush out of you and it will become a river. That flows out of you, giving life wherever it goes. I mean, that's, that Jesus is really saying, hey, listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He's teaching this lady about the fear of the Lord. And when we look at our lives today, we look at, we look at the flaws in our lives and, and, and we condemn ourselves. Instead of allowing the fear of God, the fear of the Lord to begin to flow out of us the word of God to really define what we're looking at. If you don't allow the fear of God or the word of God to define what you're looking at, how will God change it? If I keep looking at myself in the mirror and pointing out all my flaws and living in guilt, I'm, open, I'm an open target for the enemy to attack my life. But if I look at my flaws as imperfections that God is perfecting, now I'm receiving a word and I'll allow that river to begin to flow into all the areas that are imperfect in my life so that now God begins to get at work in all the areas that are imperfect, perfecting those areas. See, but He doesn't perfect those areas because you are perfect. He perfects those areas because He is perfect. Amen. You must understand when you receive the word of God, you're not just receiving words that is on the paper. You're receiving the nature, the very nature of God, the very character of God, the very abilities of God into your life. And when you receive it, now they get on the inside of you and now they begin to flow out of you into every area that is imperfect, making them perfect. See, the the Hebrew language is an awesome language, really. It is an awesome language. They have one word, but that one word can have many applications. So the same word fear, that means the, the flowings of the Lord, in another context is actually what we call phobias. Like fears, being afraid. So the enemy comes to God and he says, does Job fear God for nothing? He's getting something out of it. That is why he is living in fear of you. Fear of you as in the flowings of God. But something shifted in Job's life when you read chapter 3 in verse 25 when God gives Satan permission to touch the possessions, not his body. Something shifts in Job's life. When when the enemy was given, when his adversary was given permission to touch the possessions, to touch the world that he lives in. Not him, because he is valuable to God. Because he is righteous before God. When Satan touched Job's possessions, it revealed that Job gave into another fear. And here, this is what he says. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me for what I dreaded has happened to me. What is he talking about? It began when Job would see his sons and daughters parting every day and after they finished parting he would go and he would sacrifice animals on their behalf just in case they sinned. Just in case. What if they sinned? What if is an assumption? What if is a thought of fear, a small fear, it's a simple little thing. What if they did that? Oh, what if they did that? Oh, what are they doing? Oh, what if they did this? Maybe we should give an offering because of they, you know, if we give an offering, maybe it will cover their sins. Maybe we should sacrifice an animal. Maybe we should give, maybe we should go to church. Maybe we should fast and pray on behalf of, of this person or that person. Just in case if they sin, we'll cover them with the precious blood of Jesus. We have this conversation happening in church even nowadays. But in Job's time, he did this because he loved his possessions more than the one who possessed him. He somehow loved all of these things and did not want to lose them because not of his fault, but somebody else's fault. So that became a fear. It was a little fear that when his possessions were touched, it became a great fear in his life. It overwhelmed him. It began to overwhelm him and flow out of him and began to open the door for the enemy to attack everything in his life. It's a little fear. But Job, the thing that he greatly feared has come upon him. That fear, ladies and gentlemen, is the word pahad. And that word pahad or fear is the anticipation of something great happening in your life. The in a negative sense, oh, something bad is gonna happen. (gasps) Oh, something bad. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Something bad, something. You know, we all face some sort of fears in our life almost every day some some of us don't know that there were fears on the inside of us and there's a certain circumstance that comes in and reveals that that fear exists it happened to me uh you know one day we were on holiday in samoa and i never had a fear of bugs like to be honest like i mean honestly i've killed scorpions and centipedes and uh and cockroaches and ants and all all the all the bugs you know i've we we grew up where we we killed them because there's so many of them. Uh, and so uh, I, I never knew that I had a fear of spiders. Like I, I never knew, I'd, I had no clue. And so when we went to Samoa, uh, we, we, uh, we were living in this awesome resort and you know everything is made out of uh, um, wood and uh, it has coconut leaves on the, as for roofs and, and all, it's amazing, beautiful. And so we uh, we said goodbye to our parents uh, and we opened the, the room door and, and we, as soon as we switched on the light, there was a spider, which is the size of my hand, that ran across the wall and hid behind the bed. Now, I didn't know that I had a fear of these spiders. And we were trying you know, from far, I was trying to kill it, but it was very smart. Every time I threw my slipper at it, it, you know, kind of dunked, I uh, kind of moved and it was constantly running. And I was, I realized in that moment that, that I could not, I could not overcome this spider, only because I could not overcome the fear of the spider in me. And so at that moment, I gave in to my very manliness and I asked Kelsey to call her dad. I know man, I know, I know. I didn't expect it, honestly. I have never experienced something that big, crawling on the wall, hiding behind my bed. And the thoughts that went through my mind, oh my God, it's gonna when you go to sleep, it's gonna come crawl on your face. And, All these, all these things began to, I don't know where they were, but they just were in me. And I believe that if it wasn't for that circumstance in that day, I would not know that there was a little fear on the inside of me growing and manifesting in different areas of my life. So you must understand, it could be fear of spiders, but then that fear actually came in maybe when I was a child and somebody said the boogeyman is going to come or you know the policeman is going to come because I, I was told that the policeman will come and take you so I was always afraid of the police <laughs> so, so because of that uh, there was this fear but see you must understand fear is the anticipation of something bad going to happen It's not, nothing has happened. It's just the anticipation that really cripples you. And so here we see Job. Okay, by the way, Kelsey's dad killed a spider. (laughs) When it was dealt with, I mean, honestly, I was sleeping on the bed thinking if there was one, (laughs) there must be a family of them somewhere. (laughs) And if they came inside here, when the lights were off, The lights are off now. So they might be here somewhere. And then you start imagining things that they're crawling on your legs, they're crawling on your face and you begin to feel it. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) So I'm not the only one. But see, it's the anticipation of fear that has has a, a a psychological impact on you that eventually has a physical impact on you. And that's what cripples a person when it comes time to really exercising the word of God in their life. And so for for Job, the thing that he greatly feared, the thing that he feared became a great fear. And when it became a great fear, it, it overwhelmed him to a point where now he just cursed the day that he was born. He began to make really, you know, statements that God really did not say about him. One of the statements that, that really is, is, is in a popular song is, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing that song, but it's not God's word. It is Job's word. Job was the one who said, God gives and God takes away. But it was not God's revelation. It was Job's revelation based out of fear. See his, his revelation of God completely changed because he was experiencing his possessions going away. His possessions were being attacked So he thinks now God is the one who gave me these possessions And now God is the one who is taking them away Blessed be They are super spiritual Blessed be the name of the Lord Hallelujah Praise the Lord God wants me to be, be poor No that's just rubbish God doesn't want you to be poor How can God be God be prosperity himself And expect you to be poor The issue is you and I struggle with fear And when we struggle with fear, it cripples us from really allowing that river of God to begin to flow out of us. See, God's love for you and me is you and I experience the blessing, the blessedness of His presence, the blessedness that comes by allowing His word to give life to every area. You know, when the the Bible says in Psalm chapter one, that he who is planted by the river of living water will bear fruit in every season ladies and gentlemen if that river flows out of you into every area of your life just imagine those things that are planted in the river that flows out of you begins to bear fruit in every season Amen. It begins to, it's fruitful. It, their leaves do not wither. Can you imagine your children not experiencing the, the, the wages of sin because the river of life is flowing out of you? Can you imagine your finances not experiencing debt and, and all this destruction and your finances being robbed and, and your gold fading away and all that kind of stuff, your investments losing, losing money in your investments because you've now allowed that river to begin to flow out into your investments? Can you imagine having a car and your car not needing repairs because the presence of God, the river of God is flowing all over your car. You've allowed your car to be submitted to the kingdom of God. My goodness. We've been living an inferior life because we've been crippled by fear. See that word pahad, one of the, one of the meanings, one of the expressions of that fear is the fear of man. The fear of man. The anticipation that man is going to do something to you. What can man do? Jesus says, why are you fearful of man? Man can only destroy the body. But you should be fearful of the one who can destroy the body and the soul. But he's not talking about, be afraid of me. He's saying, listen, don't be pahad of man. Don't have a phobia of man, and what man can do to you, but actually have a yara with God. Have a yara of God flowing out of you because, hey, listen, your body and your soul benefits when the word of God begins to flow out of you. It's amazing, church, when we only understand that That the anticipation, my boss might fire me. Oh my God, I made a mistake. I think I'm going to get fired. No, you you think you're going to get fired? If that's what you think, then that's what you're going to experience. Because when you think that you're going to see yourself as somebody going to get fired and now you've created that world around you. You walk to your office, sit in your boss's office and the world around you is telling your boss, fire this guy. Instead of saying, promote this guy. See, because the the way the kingdom of God works is you go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith, grace to grace. There's no demotion in the kingdom of God. There's only promotion in the kingdom of God. And so if you made a mistake, that's okay, you're imperfect. Allow the word of God to perfect that mistake. So that when you go and sit before your boss, when you sit with your mom and dad, when you sit with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband, whatever it is, whoever it is you're sitting next to, they are experiencing that realm of perfection. You're positioning yourself up for a promotion. You're positioning yourself up for prosperity. That person who wants to invest in your business doesn't listen to your sad story, but actually listens to, is experiencing this realm of prosperity around you. Have you ever heard a person that says, invest in failed stocks? (laughs) Invest in a business that is failed, man, useless fellow, invest in that business. No, they look to invest in things that are prospering so that they can get a return out of it. So why would people promote you if you yourself are demoting yourself? Why would people honor you if you are dishonoring yourself? Why should people favor you when you yourself don't favor yourself? You think you need to buy other people things when you don't bless yourself. Come on now. Prosperity or destruction in your life is really determined by the word that you allow into your heart. See that God wants you to experience his perfect love. I want you to to go um, to 1 John chapter 4. I want to read a popular verse to you. We quote this verse, but I want to give you a, a beautiful context to it. 1 John chapter 4 actually let's read 17 and 18 it says love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment who's judging us god because as he is so are we in this world hold on a minute that's a that's a that's a mic drop moment of heaven as He is, so are we. Huh? Not so will we be. As He is, so are we. I'll repeat it. As He is, so are we. It's amazing. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Woo! But perfect love... Cast out fear because fear involves torment or punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Come on now, this is powerful. It's amazing. He says, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, So are we in this world. So what is the day of judgment? He's looking to see now. This is who I am. Are you the same as me? And so John says, because he is, so are we. In this world. Not in heaven. In this world. So as you receive the word of God into your heart, and it begins to affect every area of your life, now, You begin to create heaven on earth. As he is, so are we. As God is perfect, so are we. I can hear some of the wives already saying, uh, Pastor, you need to come and live with this guy. He is far from perfect. As he is, so is he. Yes, you might see his imperfection, but God sees his perfection. Now, let me say it again. You might see his imperfection, but God sees his perfection in him. Oof. You might look at your wife or your husband or your friend or your neighbor or whatever. You might look at your government as, oh, these people are imperfect. No, 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 we need change. No, please don't change. If it's your wife or your husband, that doesn't exist. But, but, um, but we look at the imperfection, but God sees them according to His perfection. That's why there is no fear in love. There's no pahad, phobia. You don't have a phobia. That's where the word phobia comes from. People have phobias of, of carbs nowadays. When God is the one who created those carbs. Oh, gluten-free. You have to go gluten-free. When God is the one who created the gluten. See, but you and I, something told us gluten is bad. Something told us, don't eat bread. Don't eat carbs. Why? Because we want to look in a certain pattern according to the world. How the world defines us, not what your heavenly father defines you. See, your heavenly father looks at you and he says, wow, are you like me? Are you happy with what I gave you? Yeah, sure, your hair might be falling off. Okay, sure, you might be putting on a little bit of weight. But you know what? I see you as perfect yeah you can change the color of your hair or change your clothes and you know you can look a certain type and whatever that's okay but deep down in the inside are you like me? that's what he wants to know because that's what he's that's the judgment he's looking to see whether you are like him and then he goes on to say there is no fear in love but perfect love Cast out fear. Why? Because fear involves punishment. So we love the fear of man. The reason why we fear people. The reason why we're afraid of these consequences. Because we're actually fear of punishment. We see this happen, you know, in, in from the time kids are little children. Go and stand in the corner. Punishment. Snack. And then, you know, why? Because we want a certain behavior. You have to behave like me. What if God were to do that with you? Ooh. What if God, that was God's method of changing your behavior, changing your char- character, de- development, smacked them. What if God were to do that? We'd be getting smacked every day by God. But when I read the scripture and, and I look at, at how I treat people around me, how I treat my dogs, if people are fearful of you, then they're fearful because they're afraid that you will punish them. But if you want people to change, it's perfect love that causes them to not have any fear around you. Not have any fear means that they can make mistakes around you and not be judged. They can make mistakes and know that they're not going to get the belt or the stick or or whatever you you have in your hand at that moment that punishment he says perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love see we must understand that when per, when god loves us he he expresses himself in perfect love but he doesn't look at you as somebody who's imperfect When God looks at you, you know, you might be skinny, you might be fat, you might be, you know, allergic to this or allergic to that. God doesn't look at you according to that. He looks at you according to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And he looks at you according to who he is. And he he gives you a word saying, when you, when nobody loves you, he says, I love you. He is the first one to love you. People cannot say, Christians cannot say nobody loves me. It's a lie. It's from the pit of hell. You can't say, oh, nobody loves me. You know what? You don't love yourself. That's where it begins. And the reason why you don't love yourself is because you've believed the lie that God doesn't love you. I'm bringing healing to people right now. I want to tell you, you can never be alone ever again. You can never be depressed ever again. You can be, you can never be sad and, and lonely ever again because God loves you. God is with you. He is for you and he doesn't judge you according to your flaws, but he judges you according to his perfection. And it is His perfection that He expresses His love to you. Perfect love is agape love coming to you. It's love without conditions. But it's a love that covers a multitude of sins. It's a love that that, that perfects every imperfection. It rights every wrong. And it allows you to experience the right, not the wrong. It allows you to experience the perfection and Be transformed into that perfection. See, a lot of times we're like Job. God, give me and then I will change. But actually, you need to understand that God gives you love because He sees you as perfect. And as He sees you as perfect, when you begin to believe that you are perfect in His love, now you begin to be perfect around people. You begin to experience perfect love and now you begin to perfectly love people around you. See, the problem or the concern that I have with Christians is that you don't allow the Word of God to become a reality in your life. There is a certain set pattern of who you want to be, who you want people to see you as, that God is not defining you. And it sets you up for disappointment and you tend to do things because you want people's attention. Or you want to want to be a loner by yourself so that nobody else can come close to you but actually you're hiding all your flaws and your lies and all that kind of stuff. When you are perfectly loved, you don't see flaws in you. If people see flaws in you, you receive them with gratitude. Thank you, man. Now I, I have something to go to God and say, God, I'm la- I need help in this area. You know, when, we, when Kelsey and I, when we got, before we got married, I, I, I made a statement to Kelsey and I said, you know what, I fell in love with you just the way you are right now. And I will never work towards changing that. But I will constantly love who you are transforming into. And Kelsey said the same thing to me but see in order for you to transform into something you need feedback you need i need my wife to tell me hold on a minute your thoughts are racing and you're speeding right now let me drive no 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 i want to drive no no i let me drive so that you can allow your thoughts to do your thing we can't look at it as oh i i oh, no i'm i'm no no i'm not the man because you know my wife is driving the car hello she's 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 serving you. She's allowing you to to experience the fullness of God in your life. And we we must understand that we focus too much of our attention trying to change people. You know, I I really, I've learned uh, in my years as being a pastor that I can't change people. And I've given up. I've given up wanting to change people. Because if I look at your flaws, then what hope is there for you? If we look at our flaws in one another we're not hearing God we're hearing the flaws and your flaw becomes a seed in my heart that eventually flows into every area of my life and now your life my life looks like your life and all the birds of a feather begin to flock together. But what if we look at the flaws in one another but when somebody points a flaw in your life, look at it as an opportunity to, to experience God's perfect love. Now your heart is in the right place. You're not, you're not so offended. Oh my God, you discovered a flaw about me. Oh, I'm less than who I was said I was. Oh my God. You've created a false expectation for people around you. It's like, you know, when you, when, you, when you start going out with a girl or a guy, you put your best foot forward, and then six years later, she discovers who you really are. Oh, oh boy. Who did I marry? Where was this guy? <laughs> yeah, he was in there, but he was just trying to reveal somebody who he wanted you to believe, not who he really was. And see, I, I really believe that when you truly love someone, when you, uh, when perfect love is on the inside of you, you don't look at their flaws as a down. You people feel like they let God down, but God, God doesn't feel let down. He's still on His throne. He's not like falling off the chair every time you make a mistake. But we treat one another as if they... Oh, you said that to me, you, you pointed out a flaw in me and you told somebody else about, oh my God, Now, Oh, my reputation is gone. No, your reputation never existed. The reputation that is gone is a false image that you've created. But if you only allow the word, the truth of how God sees you to begin to flow through your life, you have nothing to fear, be yourself. Be yourself and allow God's Word to flow in and through your life. My goodness, people, whether they love you or they don't love you or they like you or they don't like you, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you perfectly loved by your Father? And today I wanna bless you church. I wanna declare God's perfect love upon you. I wanna encourage you to be free, be free. Just throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care you know, just wave them like you don't care, wave them, just push the opinions of people around, push those, those sad, you know, looks aside, just push it aside and just allow God's word to begin to fill your heart, begin to fill your life and allow that river, the fear of the Lord, to begin to flow outside of you and begin to affect every area of your life. I'm seeing change happening in your life. I'm seeing a transformation happening in your life this week. I bless you, Kelsey, and I love you. And we declare long life upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.